Welcome to Jammies. If you don't know, Jammin' and Jammies is a live show that happens here in Nashville every week, and we feature hit songwriters and rising artists. Right now, we are all sitting at home in our pajamas a little bit more, so while we're doing that, we're sitting down with some of our favorite artists and songwriters and hearing about their journey. Today, we are lucky enough to have Mr. Lonnie Fowler. Lonnie has had a heck of a year. He wrote Jordan Davis's hit single, Slow Dance in a Parking Lot, as well as If I Were a Cowboy off Tim McGraw's new album that just came out. Um, he was also named one of the top 100 breakthrough songwriters by Music Row Magazine in 2019. So I'm really excited to hear about his journey. I'm sure you are too. So let's welcome him. Hi, Lonnie. How you doing? Hey, how are you, Megan? Good. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's uh, not a usual thing for me to do an interview, but um, it's kind of fun. It's going to so. be fun, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to just start by telling us where you're from and who your musical influences were growing up and all that stuff? Okay. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm from just north of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh -huh. and um, I grew up. Uh, my mom was the musician in the family, and we were all going to have to play piano whether we wanted to or not. So <laughs> I grew up on the whole classical thing and um, ended up, taking that all the way into college i was like a piano performance major and wow. did the whole repertoire thing but late in high school i started getting into jazz and some other doing a lot more stuff by ear and i'd always listened to like top 40 and some singer songwriters and a lot of rock and some just a wide range of stuff in addition to studying the classical thing and then i added jazz into that and then so in college, it started to shift more to jazz and then more to just like commercial music in general. And then I was wanting to get into songwriting um, or I was interested in, I'd always written music since I was little, but I'd never ventured into lyrics because they're always so abstract and a lot of the stuff that I listened to, um, like more of the rock and top 40 yeah. stuff, it didn't always make literal sense. And I did a... Um, a road trip out west with a good friend of mine. We had like no itinerary. We went out for like three weeks with just some traveler's checks and a big atlas. That and sounds fun. Yeah. And so he, he was like a big country fan. And so that was kind of the trip where I like, I mean, I had hours and hours, I mean, thousands of miles of country because we were trading off and I was like, okay, I, I get it now. And so that sort of like flipped the switch and that's how I ended up more, I was like, I, this makes sense, so I can, do, I can at least try to write stuff about real life. You know, what, instead of do, you, do you remember specifically what you were listening to that made that light switch go off? Uh, well, this would have been, it was, there were a few things. Um, I know that, like, Don't Take the Girl was on the radio a lot right then. So it was like Tim McGraw was, like, blowing up with that second album. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, like, Little Rock by Colin Ray yes. really spoke to me, which is a Tom Douglas song, which was, like, his, yeah, one of his first big, uh, his first big hit. Um, and um, just that whole, like, early, mid-90s country thing that, you know, everybody loves to talk about now. Yeah. It's everybody's favorite. It yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, well, then, what took you to Nashville after that? Well, I was, I, uh, having grown up in Pennsylvania, I ended up going to a small private uh, 
Christian liberal arts college called Anderson University in the state of Indiana. And while I was there, they had a pretty good music program. And um, while I was there, I ended up joined, like we started a band with some other friends and we kind of did that for a while. And it was, we toured mostly throughout the Midwest, but then kind of went beyond that a little bit. And it sort of became a part-time job or a full-time job at times. And that went until a few years after I graduated. And then we all stopped because life was pulling everybody in different directions. And then, so I was still living in Indiana, but I thought, you know, I don't really know what I want. I want to do music, but I don't know where I want to go next. And, um, and I didn't want to just automatically move to Nashville because that's what some other friends had done and maybe it had chewed them up and spit them out a little fast. So I was a little yeah. hesitant, but then finally um, my wife and I were newlyweds and we're like, let's just go down and yeah. do it and, and just see what happens. You know, we don't have to stay there forever if it doesn't work out. So, yeah. Um, so I moved down and then soon after I got here, I got kind of sucked into playing piano and keys on the road for some different artists. Oh. And so I was, I moved down more for the writing thing, but then the being hired as a musician became kind of, it ended up becoming my job for almost, for several years. I mean, for almost 10 years, maybe. And so I was trying to develop the writing during that time, but um, didn't real. I mean, it was kind of a, it felt like separate worlds at that oh. time. Like things are a little bit more overlapped now because things have, the business has changed drastically. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I've heard that before. It's hard. It's you're, you feel grateful. I'm sure to be able to be doing music to make a living, but it's not exactly why you came here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well then can you take us into how it happened? I mean, you were playing keys on the road with artists. I'm sure it was fun, but you knew you wanted to write. How did you get your first publishing deal? And you know, how okay. long was it until your first cut then? Well, I kind of did things in a weird order because um, I, I was playing on the road and I'd been writing when I could. I had a very small handful of co-writers and we were all trying to figure out the business together. And one of the guys I'd been in that band with, um, he was down here and he had had a couple of like CCM cuts and we were writing together. We had written together in the band. He was one of my first co-writers ever and just has always been like a great friend and great encourager to me and um we had written a song that we kind of forgot about and i was still on the road but um long story short he got a call that uh bucky covington who had just come off of american idol um was in the studio recording it and they'd asked for a lyric sheet and we were not we didn't even know that it was on hold or anything we just got a call out of nowhere wow and um so I had a cut and then it ended up being a single. It was a song called I'll Walk. Yeah. Um, and so um, I felt like I was able to write, but I was still figuring out the whole publishing world in Nashville. And I was a music business major. Um, and um, so I had familiarity with, you know, how it worked, but not necessarily how Nashville worked. Yeah. And, um, so that was that came at a good time. It being a single, my wife and I had our first son, 
and I was like, okay, I, I don't want to be on the road anymore. And yeah. so it worked out to, to be a good time to tra transfer my focus, you know, shifted over to more writing all the time. And so I just sort of did my best to make that work. Um, and I still played, but I just kind of, I don't know, um, was part-time stay-at-home dad. And, you know, I had some of this uh, single money coming in because the song that we had did well enough to kind of enable that transition a little smoother. And, um, and then it was just like continuing to try to write enough songs. <laughs> my, my goal ended up becoming, uh, I'll say it this way. I, I had friends and acquaintances in the music business that would get, they would write something or they would hear something on the radio, I guess. And they would go, man, I've got, 20 songs better than that in my catalog. And that's a single, you know, Yeah. and it like so bitter and, you know, like just pessimistic about everything. And I saw that and I was like, you know, even though you can see there is truth in that sometimes, you know, because there's so much unrecorded great songs down here. Um, but I tried to make it, I tried to personally challenge myself to like, find the best song out there the one that makes you want to write you know the kind of songs that inspire you and go it is what i'm writing that good because if it's not that good then i can't complain about not getting cuts or whatever right. or having getting the publishing deal which is what i was trying to do so during that period of being part-time stay-at-home dad and having had just this sort of one-off song get recorded i just sort of resolved myself to write enough good stuff until people had to pay attention to something. Yeah. So that was, and it, it took longer than I wanted it to, but it eventually, it eventually, I feel like it eventually worked. Um, yeah, obviously. Well, you sound, it sounds like you put your nose to the grindstone and just decided you were going to be great. And I think that's what all great songwriters do at some point. So can you take us into just a little more detail of like how long, you know, did that happen and how did your first deal transpire? Like, how did you meet uh, those people? If you don't mind giving up that information, sure. I know our followers love to like to trace it and see how did it all line up, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, I would say maybe 2000, the, my Bucky single peaked on the charts in late 2008. So I felt like in the wake of that, I had a little bit of momentum and I was, yeah. I started meeting with some publishing companies and, uh, and then ups and downs, ups and downs, you know, some relationships that I thought were going somewhere and then they kind of all change. And so like, it, just trying to figure out who you work out with work with best and then finally in 2014 so you know five six years after that i had been meeting with uh olay which is now anthem and they were meeting with some other people and one of them was this guy named jordan davis who was looking for a publishing deal and they said hey why don't we really like your stuff we like his stuff why don't you guys try writing together with one of our writers see how that works out and then so I was like okay so we tried it we wrote with one of their writers and it went well but he and I kind of hit it off and then we said hey let's try this again just the two of us so we got back together a few weeks later 
this is in August of 2014, and we wrote Slow Dance in the Parking Lot that day. And it was like, it came really fast. And um, sort of in the wake of that, he started getting a lot more attention. Uh, like Olay really, they loved that. And he was starting, that was when he's starting to pursue the artist thing. Yeah. He, he definitely has this unique quality about his singing and his writing. And so he really stood out quickly and he's a great writer and a smart guy. Um, so I sort of, I feel like getting to my publishing deal was indirectly writing his coattails because he got all this buzz and I was just sort of like, my name was on a bunch of these songs that were getting some buzz. Yeah. And, um, so he gets his publishing deal with less than a year. He gets his, um, record deal with UMG and, um, he, I feel like that was when suddenly I started getting people going, oh, wait, who's this Lonnie guy? You know, that was really when it felt um, like things started changing a little bit. And, but I still couldn't get anybody to sign me. And, um, and then finally, um, dur during that time, I had a uh, – so I feel like I'm jumping all over. and I'm not used oh. to talking such long stretches by myself. I'm following. I'm following, I swear. Okay. Um, uh, I've been working with a guy named Whit Jeffords, who was with a publishing company called Amylase, and um, he was just—he was pitching maybe thirty or forty of my songs, just sort of like on an informal uh, agreement that we had. And he was also setting me up with some of the writers that he worked with, including David Fraser, who—that was about the time David's on a, a few really big songs, and he was on drinking class was out about that time, um, which David's on. And so it was like, I was starting to get to write. Wit was setting me up with some, you know, hit writers and, yeah. um, <clears throat> that during that year after Jordan got the record deal, um, Wit said, Hey, look, would you be interested in doing a joint venture with a publishing company? Like you and I, let's figure out the terms. And so we did, we came on a split and whatever the draw I wanted, like all those little details. And then he kind of went and took meetings for me. Wow. Um, and then we had a couple of the big publishers were interested, but it didn't quite go work out. And then um, I was thinking nothing was going to happen. And then just out of nowhere in September of 2016, he just calls me up. He says, Warner Chapel wants to sign you. And like, They've agreed to all that stuff. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, and so like, I didn't even, I had had taken so many meetings over the years and always had that get in the car, call my friends, like analyze everything that was said in the meeting. How long did they make it through the verse? They make it to the end of the song? Were they, were they looking at their phone? Were they all these, just analyzing every little bit of the meeting and, um, so I didn't have any of that. It was just like, I'd never met them. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so the first time I met everybody, like we'd already gone to long form contract. And that was the first time I went into the building to meet who I was going to be working with. Cause I was just like, I, I'd been waiting so long and they're such a reputable publisher that I was like, I just need to make, I'll make it work. You know, it, yeah. it doesn't need at this point. I'm not like going to be picky. You know what yeah. I mean? If it, 
if Cinderella's shoe is really <laughs> blisters, I'm more than happy to try to shove it on my foot. But it's been a great, it's been a great experience. And I, I mean, I love working with them. So, uh, yeah. That's amazing. What a crazy story. I can't tell you how much I relate and I'm sure our followers, they're, you know, 99% of our followers are aspiring songwriters. So we can all relate to having the meeting and getting in the car and going, what just happened? Was that good? I don't know. Like, I think it was good. Yeah. So I, I appreciate your honesty in that. And, um, can you tell us like, I'm sure it, it was kind of a night and day difference before writing by yourself and then all of a sudden having a team. I mean, was there a huge difference? I mean, did you know, like, Warner Chapel has so many songwriters. Did you feel like they were yeah. pitching a ton of your songs? I, they, they're, they do have a ton of writers. So I feel like you really do need to, you still need, you're still kind of on your own in the yeah. sense. That, I mean, I, when I explain it to friends that are outside the business, I'm like, you know, my publisher, they're not my employer and not even legally. Like I'm a contractor basically. And I'm, and we work together. So even yeah. though they're the massive, huge successful company and I'm just this individual person, we're more partners in it. Yeah. So I still, there's still a lot of stuff yeah. that I have to do on my own and figure out. But now I have a team of people helping schedule co-writes, yeah. uh, making introductions, um, and you know, they can, they do enough on my calendar that things will just, they just show up yeah. and don't have the instructions. It used to be addresses. Now it's like a zoom link or yeah. like you're going to be the, you're going to be hosting this one. So here, so it makes, send your zoom info to these people. Um, that must be nice though. I mean, you know, after years of yeah. working hard by yourself, I feel like you've earned a team. So that must be really nice. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I was going, I can't remember. I was going somewhere. And it was oh, going to be sorry. No, 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 no. You didn't interrupt me. I, I, I derailed myself long before you. Um, let's see. But yeah, working on my own. Um, and then switching to the publisher. It's, I also, I remember talking to Tom Douglas in the wake of me having that first single. And he said that he still liked having like turning on the music row and getting past the roundabout and going, I, I belong here. Like, yeah. and I, I do remember having moments like that where I walked up to the front of the Warner building and just seeing the big W logo as I, for Warner music and just seeing that. And I'd been seeing it since I was a kid on, I mean, at the end of TV shows and movies and then in album covers and, you know, and all that liner notes. And, um, and, that was a, a big thing too, just to feel like that you have to believe in yourself, but to have somebody else believing in you and you get, you have like you, your significant other or your family or your friends, you always have those types of people that believe in you, which are so crucial, but then you start to acquire other believers, you know, like through co-writers and then, you just, the list slowly gets bigger. And then when you get into like something like that, it was just like, it must be surreal. Yeah. And that was, that was huge for me personally, because I felt like it had taken a long time. Yeah. Get to that point And just to sort of, you know, it wasn't the destination. It wasn't to get a publishing deal, but um, 
I, I don't mean that I didn't want to end up there. I just mean that that wasn't the final goal was to just get a publishing deal. Um, but just that, it just felt like a big endorsement that really, um, you know, it, it helped some of the bruises on my ego heal <laughs> that had occurred over the previous many, many years. Absolutely. So. Yeah. There's no shame in that. I feel like creative people, it, it is an ego thing to an extent, mm -hmm. but you have worked so hard and you've earned all this excitement. Do you remember the first time you heard your song on the radio? Was it Bucky's song or, or was yes. it Jordan's? Can you share that yeah. with us? Okay. I have a story about the Bucky thing. So the song had already, it hit, 10 on the country charts. So it, it got out there pretty well. Yeah. And I did hear it around Nashville driving, but that's where like, for me, and like most songwriters, I imagine, Nashville is where you listen to all your work tapes and all your demos. Yeah. And if you do get a cut, you, that's where you listen to the album. Like you're always, like for me, it was always in my car. Yeah. So I'm driving around. So hearing it on the radio was exciting, but I'd already heard it in my car before. Yeah. Like in familiar uh, surroundings. And the time that it, the time that I really remember, and it was probably six months after it peaked on the charts, we were on a family vacation out visiting uh, national parks out West. Yeah. And we were just in the middle of the Canyon country in um, Southeast Utah, like outside Moab. And there's a station called, it was, the station was called Canyon country. And it's just like we're thousands of miles away from home and this, and this Bucky song comes on and I was just like, oh my gosh, like we're so far from home. This is so weird. You know, because Nashville, you're always here and if you hear it there, it just doesn't, you don't understand Yeah. the reach of a, a popular song or of an artist is so abstract because I don't think humans are meant to be having yeah. stuff heard by millions of people or whatever. Yeah. And so that was like the the moment that it really sunk in for me, I think, for that first song. What a special uh, moment. And what about Jordan's single? A similar thing. Um, I had heard it on the radio, which was still exciting. Um, but our family, we were just at like, uh, we were at a fast food restaurant. We were at a cookout because our boys love that. <laughs> and, uh, it, they were they usually had on like a CCM station and it was usually quiet and then that day it was country and it was really loud and like partway into us eating like slow dance came on wow. and my boys like <laughs> like and I think that was when it sunk in for them and um just sort of like hearing it somewhere where you don't expect to it feels like the first time on the radio I guess for me yeah and now you're a cool dad, I guess, right? Well, I, <laughs> it, it, I have good days, I think, for them. <laughs> Bad days. I think that's probably all parents. Um, yeah. Okay, tell us real quick what your is your songwriting process? Because um, you play piano pretty exclusively. I play guitar. I Do mean, you? I and I wrote on guitar for years and years um, because piano was such a thing. I was such a player on piano that I didn't really grow up singing. I was like more serious about playing. So I didn't, piano was never really connected with me singing. And then I started learning guitar in college, just basic acoustic stuff. And then that's when I 
excuse me, started writing. And um, so guitar became the more natural thing to do my songs on. Yeah. And then that's what I played in the band. I was in more of the, I played piano as well, but I played guitar just as often or more. Um, and um, so I wrote on guitar for years. And then now I've kind of switched back more to piano because I've learned it. It's one of the things, it's, it's a strength. And then it's, um, so when I need it, it's nice to have that because not everybody writes with a piano in the room. Right. So when I can, sometimes it just changes the whole mood. Absolutely. The, yeah. the downside is every, every, sometimes people suddenly want to write a ballad, which I have, <laughs> I have to, uh, I have that problem enough on my own. I don't need other people. <laughs> pushing me that direction. Um, yeah. I think it's really interesting. You said you didn't start playing guitar till college. Uh, yeah. Which isn't late by any means, but I have, I heard somebody recently say that they were like 20 years old and they were saying it was too late to play guitar. And I was like, I don't think it's ever too late. So would no. you agree? No, I, I don't think it's too late. I think it's just, it takes, I think your brain is a little more set in its ways, so it's it takes it's a little bit more of a challenge. But I think as an adult, you start to if you if your expectations are too high or you're not expecting difficulty. But I had already spent years and years working out piece like little sections, like a cadenza from some concerto or whatever, where you're just like. You're not getting it. You just have to spend hours and hours and hours. So I already knew that it doesn't just happen the first yeah. time you try something. Yeah. Um, and so I, um, I, I, yeah, I think you can learn it at any age. So I love that. Okay. Well, I'm glad we covered that too. Take us into the songwriting room real quick and just tell us, um, are you more of a melody guy, lyric guy, both? Um, just take us into the room with you. What does the day writing a song with Lonnie look like? Well, generally speaking, uh, I am able to do all the different elements, but I do, it took me years, I think, to realize this. I think my strengths are like more big picture. Yeah. And um, like editing, um, I do feel like I'll have good ideas. I, I don't have plentiful ideas, but I do feel like when I have ideas, I'll, I'll have some really good ones. Um, and so um, chords, like harmony, I feel like is one of the places where I can help push things in a direction that yeah. my coders might not think of. Yeah. And I mean, I can go like more complex jazz stuff, which really doesn't rarely happens. <laughs> but I, having a little bit different vo chord vocabulary and just like a few little, um, even just some really small nuance changes, yeah. I think change the mood of something. So I feel like that's one of the things, but I, I will participate in all the phases. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I feel like that's something I've learned so far is that everyone, there's all different kinds of songwriters. So, you know, there's people that are lyrically strong, melodically strong people that can do everything. And then there's people that are really good at the big picture stuff and making sure that you've, your song makes sense as a whole, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I do, um, I mean, I always have like my notes on my phone. They're on my computer too. They sync. 
but just that's where I get my idea, like lyric ideas. And so I, let me see, I currently have, because I don't delete them just in case. So sometimes I just scroll back years. I don't know if it's going to tell me how many on my computer. I think I'm like at four or 5,000. Oh, wow. Um, but, uh, sorry, I'm getting notification. Ah, getting oh, notification. Oh, no. Dang go. it. Sorry. You there? <laughs> Yeah, we were good. I was trying to get it out of the way, and I touched it instead of swiped it away. Um, but I'll put like little like like the title ideas, or just a good line, or something I don't even know, just like a concept or something. And um, so I try to come in with those, and then I sometimes record musical ideas, and I'm trying to do that a little more often because I'll get them, but I haven't been as good about capturing those when they happen. Oh, I'll remember. That's what you always say, right? <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah. It's also like saying, oh, as soon as we finish this second verse of Bridge, that'll take just a couple minutes. Yeah. You know? It's like a kid's death to a session sometimes, like to say, oh, the rest is going to be easy. Yeah, it'll write itself, right? <laughs> okay, tell us real quick, um, and I do want to get you to play a couple songs for us, but tell us all about um, your Tim McGraw cut. Tell us all about that, please. Okay. Um, well, it happened. Obviously, the album just came out, and it's August of 2020, which has been the weirdest year most of us have ever gone through. Um, and I live in East Nashville. We started writing the song. That's that's going to be relevant. Um, uh, we started writing the song last fall. It was me, Zach Dyer, and Dave Turnbull. And um, Dave is a tremendously great writer and he, but he's so methodical and he's the kind of guy that could write a song in like 15 minutes. Yeah. But he will not stop until it's all right. And yeah. so that song took us four appointments. We were mostly done after two, the third one. Um, we only, it was just really a short, we got interrupted. We had like an hour or so. Yeah. And then the fourth one, we finally got it. Um, and we were like, this is pretty good, but I'd never done a demo with those guys before. And I will produce uh, a lot of my demos at home where I play most of the stuff and then I hire somebody to play guitars and have somebody else mix. Oh, yeah. And then I have a co-writer sing. And I'm always way behind on that. But I was like, you know, Dave has had, a, has had several huge songs. And Zach is thinking about being an artist. I was like, I need to figure out a really good track for this song because I love the song. And so I finally got it mostly done. And then the tornado hit. Oh. I had like five or ten more minutes of tweaking before I was going to send it to get mixed. The tornado hit, and it we had damage on our property, like, but we were all fine. Yeah. It was just some roofing damage and a, a big tree and some fencing and stuff. Um but we had no power for like a week. And so, and, and we had so many friends that were impacted. So it like finishing a demo was pretty far back in my mind. And then finally when we got power back. I was like, Oh, I, I wanted something other than like moving, hauling construction debris and just devastation. Cause we'd been just immersed in that all week. Yeah. Um, so I was like, Oh, I can finish that demo since we've power back. And so I went and I did a few edits. I sent it off to get mixed. And my buddy 
the mixes. He sent it back. We did our a change or two, and then I sent it to the guys on a Sunday night. So this was like that Sunday after the tornado. Um, and then we were happened to be scheduled to write the next morning on Monday. And so I was glad to get it to them so that way we had something to be excited about, something yeah. to talk about. We got together. They both loved the demo, and then we were started a new song, and then at lunchtime, Dave goes, my publisher just texted, uh, if I was a Cowboys on hold for McGraw. <laughs> we're like, what? Stop it. And it was, yeah, it was like, you know, the fastest thing. Like, we just finished the demo, and I was like, I've never had that, you know. <laughs> and um, so we were super excited. I mean, it gave us all a jolt, a little distracting to finish anything to get much done after that. But um, we kept going. Anyway, so that's early, that's first week of March or so, and then you go – um, everything, go forward a couple weeks, everything shuts down. And I just sort of, I've had big holds and stuff before and I, you know, I've been let down and I was like, everything shut down. That's a old, that's the old world. I don't think anything, I was just sort of preparing myself for it to not yeah. album or ever get recorded or whatever. And, um, just cause I thought, you know, that February feels like ancient history and it's only late March. <laughs> and so the first weekend of April, um, I got a call from Dave on a Friday. My wife and I were going to pick up some takeout and he called and it's, I mean, he and I are good friends, but it's not like we call and chat or, Oh you know. yeah. So you knew and something so, was up. Yeah. I was like, Hey, what's up? He said, uh, McGraw just cut our song. I was like, what? And this is like, we don't know when he recorded. He may have recorded it like right before everything shut down. But, you know, he's such a big artist. And it's not like they're like telling everybody every little detail. Right. You know, pretty secretive and, you know, has his way of doing things, and which is fine with me. Um, but we didn't really know anything. And then we found out. And that was so early April. And then it wasn't until... July that they released the track listing that we finally got confirmation that we made the album because because you can they can record it and then go ah this doesn't really fit with right. everything else and um yeah so it we made that track listing and I found out um because anything that McGraw was doing after that hold like I was like you know had I was just like anything on Instagram was like oh was it was he saying was he saying um, and um, so I found out that we made the track listing by he'd released the title track and also you could finally pre-release or pre-order the album you know wow. and they track listing and I was like uh there we are <laughs> and um yeah so uh so that made it that was a big sigh of relief because once they get to that point, you know, um, it feels a little more, uh, it feels like they're, it would take a lot for them to undo it at that point, you know, because yeah. they've already, they've already gone, they've done the album, uh, they've done the label copy and all these yeah. things, you know, there's a lot of steps so you, done to 
you could kind of relax at that point a little bit and get excited. Yeah. But yeah, but it, it finally, it's never official though, till you're like standing in Walmart holding it or like downloading it from iTunes or whatever. Like that was last Friday was like the final, you know, yeah. Did you go to Walmart and, and hold it in your hand? Oh, yeah. Like, we had to go to two because the first one we went to, was a, we didn't realize, but it was a, it's the one at 100 Oaks, and they don't have a music section anymore because it's oh, a smaller Oh, that's so apartment. sad. Oh. Yeah. And then we went to one a little bit closer, or a little bit farther south that was close by, and then uh, they had it. And so, so and that was like, you know, before 8 in the morning because <laughs> I oh, had – wow. I had something at 8.30, and so we wanted to make sure my wife and I went out and did, so got that. You went to Walmart to get the CD. Did you slow dance in the parking lot after? <laughs> no. We had, we had too many places. We had to get back because the boys are doing virtual school. And oh, real life got in the way. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, well, congratulations. What a whirlwind of a year, really. Yeah. It's, it's a bizarre year to have so much good news. And to know exactly how to, like, I still am enjoying it and appreciating it. But you also, I have so many friends and um, people that I've worked with that have just, it's been a, such a difficult year. Like friends that are touring musicians yeah. or whatever that have just like, everything has stopped and, you know, it's not going to start up for a long time. And so I've felt... Um, extra sensitive and pressured like i need to temper enthusiasm you know but i definitely a lot to be grateful for this year well that's very sweet of you it has been a strange year for everyone but you should soak it all up you and your family should enjoy it it's been a long time coming um do you want to play something for us uh sure um i i mean i figured if i was going to play anything it would be the slow dancer that this mcgraw cut yay um, what would you do you care what i start with I don't care. I'm excited to hear anything. <clears throat> well, I'll do this McGraw thing first. Okay. And he he has such a higher voice than me, but he does not sound. I don't feel like I sound low, and I don't think he sounds because I, I feel like he sounds pretty yeah. like manly. But then when I try yeah. singing when I hire someone, I'm like, oh, that is interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm in a way different key. <laughs> right. All right. I've never, I don't know if I've ever performed a whole song over Zoom. Like we've written stuff, but usually I'm not the one doing the work tape. <laughs> All right. Is this okay volume wise? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. okay. Streetlights were stars. If Mustangs were horses, I'd walk out of this bar. A cigarette and a stencil, whiskey in my veins. I'd climb back in the saddle, grab a hold of the reins. If I was a cowboy, wouldn't miss you at all. I shot a Jack and a Marlboro. I move on, girl. Feeling ten feet tall. I 
Then ride off into the sunset out west Never let your memory ever tie me down If I was a cowboy, I'd be over you by now You'd be ashes in a campfire Water under a bridge a trail of dust behind me Never find me again Cause if I was a cowboy I wouldn't miss you at all I shot a tank and a marble I move on Feeling ten feet tall I'd ride off into a sunset out west Never let your memory ever tie me down if I was a cowboy, I'd be over you by now. Put my boots down in a new town. Find a nail to hang my head. You wouldn't kill me. I wouldn't still be wishing you'd come back. If I was a cowboy, If I was a cowboy, I'd be over you by now. Yeah. Applause oh. is something I haven't heard. I don't mean for me personally, just in general. Like, <laughs> you haven't really heard applause. I know it. I know. I only I only hear myself these days, applauding for myself. Um, that is just obviously such a great song. Um, I'm glad that you and Zach and Dave were also methodical because there's not a throwaway line in the whole song. It's so great. Oh well, thank you. Bravo. Dave, Dave was a big part of pushing us to where I think it needed to be, and obviously now anytime if we're not done, like Zach and I. We've continued writing, and Zach and I are like, oh, however long it takes, I'm fine with that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Being meticulous pays off. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to have you to play another song, but I was wondering, is there anything you wish you'd known when you first got to town and first started this journey? Anything I wish I had known? Or just a piece of advice yeah. or something. Yeah. Um I, would, I mean, there's so much. I'm trying to... I know. It's a tough yeah. question. I should have given you a heads up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, one thing, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I think, excuse me, to always compare yourself to whatever you think is the best. Don't ever compare yourself to the worst example of something you can find because you will, you're always able to find something that you don't think is good enough and you don't need to worry about being better than something you don't think is good. Yeah. It's like trying, cause if once you get to the point that you're in a publishing deal or you're trying to get more cuts or another single or whatever, like 
you are up against all the best writers in town and um, some of the best songs. And so you can't have a song that might beat a bad one because you're not going to beat all the really good ones. And then, you know, there are obviously, there's always going to be an exception where something that you think maybe doesn't measure up, um, but uh, could be beaten, but to not always focus on what you can do better, you know, and I think that was, um, it made it easier to not get angry and just to continue to work, you know, and um, yeah. And the other thing is to, you can't fail if you don't give up. And that, I feel like I'm an example of that, you know, because I, I have lots of talented friends and uh, people that walked away. It could have been a month yeah. too soon. It could have been a couple of years too soon, but I thought they had it in them. Um, but then they just, you know, for, I, and not to say the reasons for walking away weren't justified, right. you know. But um, you just never know when it's going to happen. Yeah. So if, if it's really, um, if it's really a passion, you know what I mean? Like I understand getting impatient and all that, but just, if you don't give up, you, you always have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. And where do you look for inspiration? Um, maybe if the well is a little dry, what do you do? That's good. Cause the more I get scheduled sometimes, like I'll have periods in my calendar where I get, I just feel like I'm going, 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 going. And, and I'll get to a right, especially late in the week. And I'll be like, uh, guys, I don't like anything I have because I've already <laughs> through it all. Um, and um, I have, I have a few things that I personally do. Like reading always helps yeah. uh, just to get lots of words in my head. Um, listening to, stuff that is new like I can always listen to stuff that's familiar and you know some of my go-to favorite albums of all time and favorite songwriters but sometimes I feel like hearing something new there's about that um and uh a couple other things that I've done I don't do this often but I watch movie trailers oh because they always put the best line in the trailer so brilliant so you don't always have to watch the whole movie now and so i mean i sometimes i might watch like 20 trailers and then not get a single yeah nothing out of it but at least i didn't watch 20 movies right well that's a brilliant <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. yeah um but yeah and you know looking at old um old titles from old albums and song type because you Sometimes you see a title and they wrote it a completely different way. Like, yeah. um, I try not to like do too many other titles, but sometimes just seeing something, yeah. you know, or just finding like some, um, I found a title. It was a Dizzy Gillespie arrangement that we wrote a couple of years ago. Um, and it was like, instead of Swing Low Sweet Chariot, it was Swing Low Sweet Cadillac. Oh, I love and, that. Yeah, and I was I was cutting the grass and it popped up and I looked at my phone, you know, I had my headphones in and I was like, oh man, I'm writing that title because <laughs> I've never heard it before. And um, and so, you know, I wrote it down. And um, so I just feel like the other thing, 
um, I, I will say this about the way I collect ideas. Some people are like, they're like just amazing. They can just do it all at once. Like one big glorious moment. They can like get in, get the inspiration and write the song. Yeah. And I, the opposite, I just slowly collect little bits and pieces um, over time. So they're more like a great white shark <laughs> attacking a seal, like one big glorious National Geographic cover moment. And, and I'm like just a big dumb whale slowly in thousands and thousands of plankton. And just like, I, as soon and eventually I get enough to make a song. <laughs> it's the best uh, analogy for a songwriter I've ever heard. That was amazing. And so those, those little, I mean, they're tiny, tiny things, you know, the plankton you can't even see, but like, um, just to be paying attention, you know, at the grocery store, um, listening you like eat like not inappropriately but like paying attention to like eavesdropping a little yeah. bit of, yeah uh, and when you're talking to friends and you know just to all i always have my radar yeah uh going and so i feel like it's easier to always have my radar going than to like have to sit down and yeah get ideas but i do have days where i just sit down and go i just i need to try to find some ideas today so I have a little bit more to work with next week or yeah. the next few weeks. So <clears throat> those are great suggestions. There's some really unique ideas in there. So I really appreciate it. I'm I'm sure oh, our fellow sure. songwriters that are gonna watch this will too. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> there'll be a big rush of songs. There'll be like some new trailer and everybody's got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden like YouTube trailer views are gonna go like way up. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. You had such a great year um i feel like the best is yet to come so play us one more song would you and okay i hope you're enjoying it even though it's a weird year oh well thank you um and this, so this is slow dance in a parking lot which is um i didn't tell the story behind this um but it's based on um, a true story it's a moment for me and my wife's first date and um, i'd thrown out the title to a few people and it never really went anywhere and I threw it out to Jordan and he's like, Oh, I love that. Cause he loved the idea of having a long title. And um, then he said, well, tell me more about that. So I told him the story of our first date and he's like, well, let's just put all that in there. So, um, so this is like one of the most like literally autobiographical moments from my life that's ever been in a song, which I typically don't write it that literal. Um, but anyway, here we go. Lights go down, wheels going round, I'm taking you home. Hoping for so song to come on the radio now. I'm not ready to shut it down. The way the dashboard goes, hitting your eyes, making me lose it. My mind, and the only thing I want to do is find a spot, stop this car, throw it in park, and just slow dance with you. Spin you around by the Walmart sign, move our feet over the pit, white lines get close to you. Make the most of whatever we got, even if it's just. Slow dance in the parking lot. Slow 
half song One door open across the lot Ran a cops rolling a security car His yellow lights spinning, flashing in time To the radio saying the little guard Start humming the very last verse. She said, Woman, and I don't care what song comes next. Stop falling right here. I want a safety net. And the song dance with you spinning around by the Walmart sign. Move our feet over the painted white lines. Get Yeah, well, she's always loved the song, but not like in a, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that our story's out there. Really, um, it's more like such a bizarre concept to think yeah. that people are hearing it. You know, like she loves the song. Yeah. But as far as it being out there, like what it means for my career is like a lot bigger deal than like she yeah. didn't need people to be like, hey, this is our first date. Yeah. But like seeing Instagram videos of like people proposing to it or, I saw one a couple of weeks ago is like this mom dancing with her little girl when she was dropping her off somewhere, like in a parking lot. It was like so sweet. Um, and just like things like that, like to have something that is creating a part of creating moments for other people or inspiring them in that way. Like that's the exciting and bizarre part for us to yeah. get. Well, that's, to see. That's and, what uh, oh, sorry. No, no. I was going to say that's not something you would necessarily even be able to know about before social media but yeah. have people like you know um so anytime i have so i follow any song title that i have like i follow the hashtag just yes. in case <laughs> yeah well that's what it's all about and i mean it's obviously a special song too because jordan held on to it for four or five years right yeah because yeah. we wrote in august of 2014 and so it was a few months i mean it was what four months shy of six years old when it number one That's crazy. so it was yeah and i was always like sweating it like oh my gosh he's writing weeks he's writing with so many people and so many great writers it's like i hope this song because there were a couple of artists that had that song on hold and i just never felt like i was like i don't know if it would really work like the way jordan sings the demo 
is so like there's just something cool about it and you I knew. was like it's like you knew deep that, down yeah and i was like man it'd be nice to get a cup but i really if he has something happen as an artist i really would rather he do this because yeah. i feel like i can't even phrase it the way that he does because like he, there's just a laid back he's just, it's just so it sounds so easy and it's so wordy and like i always feel like i'm just like uh, i'm trying to <laughs> Make sure it feels somewhat natural, and he just feels like he's telling it to you like you're just hanging out. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, I yeah. loved it. I love the song. I love all your stories and your insight, and it's just so inspiring. Just don't quit, I think, is a great bottom line. If you really want to do it, just don't quit. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it, um, and so do our followers. So we'll we'll have to catch up after your next hit. How about that? Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This was uh, fun. And it was, uh, I hope I Not too made bad. enough. So. A successful so, interview. <laughs> thank you so much. All right.